Hi, everybody. A very warm welcome to the Overeaters Anonymous Recovery from Relapse meeting. My name is Rita Curie. Today is the 31st of August 2021, and I am absolutely delighted to introduce Marie J from Colorado. Marie has been around the rooms for quite a while, and she is going to share her experience, strength, and hope with you. Okay, take it away, Marie. Thanks, Rita. Good morning, everybody. It's so awesome to be on this uh, European um, meeting and to see so many faces of recovery. And I'm so grateful to be here. Um, I am in Colorado. It's 7 a.m. To give you a context, I actually put on makeup to show up not in my pajamas. But I'm just so happy to be here. I know I've talked to some of you and I just love, I love especially the European meetings because you guys are lighthearted and funny and I'm such a serious person. But what I want to say is, and first of all, I, I want to especially welcome the newcomers and let you know that you're the most per important person in the room because without newcomers, we're not reminded how far we've come, you know, in recovery and your story is important to us. Um, I'm going to do a quick qualification so that you know I belong here, but I don't want to focus on the qualification and focus on the past because I really want to show you the solution that I am living today. And as a part of that solution, I have become more lighthearted. I have been able to laugh at my own situation, at my own beliefs, at my own stuckness and blockage and seriousness about my story. And so I really want to talk. Um, oh, wait, you know what? I want to check the time. Okay, 713. Um, so <clears throat> I'll just start by saying food saved me. And it really did. And I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for what it did to me. And that sounds so contrary to what we say in program. But my childhood was very difficult. I was the seventh child of a family of 10. And I'm the mother of, of uh, twin 14-year-old boys. And I'm telling you, I don't have enough time for them. So how did my parents, how could they possibly have had time for the seventh child of a family of 10? So children raised me, older children raised me. And, you know, I didn't do a good job of it. They didn't do a good job of it, but it was what it was. And so food saved me. It comforted me. It gave me the attention I needed. It gave, it fulfilled me. It validated. It did everything for me and it destroyed me at the same time. And that's a big part of my story. You know, physically I was fat, spiritually, I was doubtful. I was guarded. And emotionally, I lived in a whole lot of character defects, which I'll talk about a lot. So, but that's, that's my story. And I got into program, I lost the weight, I got spiritually fit, and I got emotionally fit. So, you know, I could end the conversation now, because that's what that's what this program is about. And my story is irrelevant. And this also brings up controversy. Because if you talk to me eight years ago, and eight years ago was when I got in OA, but I've been in some form of program since 1993. So I've been doing this for 27 years, um, one day at a time, because I'm not recovered for the rest of my life unless I do it one day at a time, unless I exercise my spiritual fitness one day at a time. So 27 years later, I can tell you I'm on day one. And so the time in does not matter 
the time that I spend building my spiritual fitness is all that matters. And if I skip a day, I'm in crisis. I'm in crisis. I'm in trouble. So we don't get to a destination of I'm recovered and now I can rest on my laurels and and go out and live in the world like a normal person. I can't. I have to keep this spiritual fitness every single day of my life. Whatever it is, whatever I believe, God, higher power, nature, whatever it is that I believe, I need to stay connected to that in order to maintain a spiritual fitness so that I can maintain physical, spiritual, and emotional health. So um, my story is irrelevant because we all have a story. And our story is what we get attached to. So I'm really attached to this notion that I need validation. I need attention because that's what I didn't get in my childhood. So I become someone who is out chasing that. And that's all ego driven. And ego is nothing but fear and my disease. Chasing something that I think I need that is false. It's just false. It's based on the past. And if I'm stuck in the past and I believe that my past is going to continue to repeat itself, am I going to recover? No, because I got to get present. I got to get present with this higher power and let go of my past and let go of my future and be present to this higher power in order to let something else happen. Let my story change. Let my um, recovery arise. But if I'm stuck in my story that this is who I am, I'm not going to change. And that was probably the hardest part of my journey to recovery is getting out of my story and saying, my story doesn't have to repeat itself. My story doesn't have to be the same thing over and over. I'm not validated and I don't get any attention. And so my self-esteem is affected. I want to be self-righteous. I want to stand up and take control. All those character defects that come out. Um, I like to tell you about my first six days of abstinence, especially for you newcomers, because it, this is real. This disease is real. And when I, when I realized on, it was my, my, the day after my son's sixth birthday that I became abstinent and they're 14 now. And uh, I really thought becoming abstinent, I would die. I would go to sleep and die because I didn't have the food. I got off sugar, alcohol, and gluten all on day one. I had no idea that's what was going to happen. I just was going to a diet club. You know, I'm just going to go to this meeting and see how I can lose this fat. And I walked out of that meeting and said, I'm giving up sugar, alcohol, and gluten. And for a compulsive overeater who's 100 pounds overweight, that was terrifying. And I spent the next six days going to bed every night, literally thinking I was going to die. I was going to starve to death overnight and die. And it was a real thing going on in my head. It was a story that was so solid and so sound. And I believed it with all my heart. So if you're in that place, I believe, I, I believe you. I believe, I believe it. I believe that, that that is that much fear. And so I, well, well, the other thing that happened in my uh, first six days is I had such horrible detoxification that every day I had migraines all day long for six days. And I had to go get in my sauna and turn it up to 200 degrees 
And I think that's, uh, I think that's about 90 degrees Celsius. So it was hot. And I laid in there for an hour, no water, and I sweated it out. And I just detoxed my entire system. And on day six or day seven, I, I woke up and my physical craving was gone. It was hell to go through mentally, emotionally, because of my attachment to my story and physically because of how polluted my body was. And I, and then the fear that went with it was crippling, crippling fear that I was going to die. And so then I was in my meetings and I'm going to six, six meetings a week. So I went to meetings every day, except Sunday. I knew everybody and I became the poster child for OA. I lost 80 pounds in the first three months and I spoke and I was animated and excited. I befriended everyone. I knew every single person because I was still chasing validation and attention. Those were the things that I needed. And so I was still in charge. I was still running the show because I needed, I needed that ego fulfillment that can only come from one place. And that's through a spiritual connection to this higher power. So I'd gotten the physical cup recovery. I'd gotten through the detox. I'd gotten through some of the emotional recovery. I was attending meetings. Boy, I was just going to be the best OA recovery person there was. And then I rested on my laurels. I rested on my laurels. I kind of half-assedly went through the steps. I, I didn't have the big book at the time. And I kind of lived like that for three years, but I was the center still. And then after three years, I really, I was sick of the, the food planning and the, the everything. And I didn't relapse, but I rested on my laurels and I never got the spiritual recovery. And so three years into this, I started recognizing that, you know, I wasn't really happy. I wasn't really what everybody was saying they got from recovery. And then um, a woman came into the meeting and she had been to, uh, some of you may know about um, a vision for you.info, which is, um, which is a group. It's an OA group that's online. It's on the phone and it's here in, in uh, the United States. So she had come back from a vision OA meeting and she glowed. I mean, she had that, that whole thing, Ebby, it was in her eyes and she was a good friend of mine and I had recovered with her for three years. And I'm like, Oh, what's going on there. I want some of that. Cause she's got that Ebby look. Now I hadn't, I, I knew about the big book. I read it a little bit once I read it through all the way, but I never worked in the big book. And so I, um, I went up to her and I said, I don't know what you have, but I want it. And will you sponsor me? And so she did. And I went through the big book with her and I got in six months and I got to my ninth step and I didn't finish it. And I didn't work in 10 and 11 and 12. So I got to the ninth step and I did all the low hanging fruit amends, but there were three amends left to do my husband, my brother, and my sister. And and they were difficult because I had difficult relationships with those, that brother and that sister. And I still felt like they did more to me than I did to them. 
you know, that whole victim attitude. Well, it's more their fault than it is mine. And so I didn't make those amends. And I didn't make an amend to my husband, because of course, when you're in a marriage, you're always blaming your husband. Well, in my case, I'm always blaming my husband. And so, and I, you know, and I still had an edge of victim to me. I wasn't fully out of it, even though I could see it. My fourth and fifth step went really well. I had a whole list of my character defects. I, you know, top on my list, perfectionism and self-righteousness. And I don't care who you are. You're not perfect. My husband was certainly not perfect. And self-righteousness, I am perfect and I am right, period. So that's how, you know, I conducted my marriage and behavior toward my children. So I was living in those character defects, but I didn't finish that step nine and I relapsed. So six months in, I'm getting ready to sponsor, but I had to get through nine, 10, 11, and 12 or nine, 10, and 11. I was almost through and I went to a restaurant and I ordered um, a piece of fish that I knew had a sauce that had sugar on it. And I meant to order it without the sugar and I didn't. And I took three bites of it thinking, Ugh, I'll be fine. I've been abstinence for six months. I don't have the cravings anymore. Everything's fine. I'll just, I'll just have it this time. And, and I did. And I went right back to my food plan the next morning, but it ate away at me for three days. And I, and I didn't tell my sponsor. You know, I didn't, I couldn't admit it. So, so there I am lying to myself, lying to everybody else. And so finally I told her three days in and she said, oh, you got to start over. And so there are two things in that relapse. And that's the last time I relapsed. That was, um, you know, a couple bites of food, uh, five or five or six years ago, 2016, I think it was five years ago. And I was really angry. I was really miffed that I had to go back <clears throat> and start over. And we start over and, um, and, you know, I really, I really realized that it was step two that, that I didn't do, even though I didn't do nine, 10, 11, and 12, I needed to do those, but it was step two. I had not come to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. I was still in charge and I was in charge less, but I was still in self-reliance. I was still in this belief that I can have one bite and go back. And I hear so often when I'm talking to people and we talk about it all the time, that one bite syndrome. I, I get this notion in my head that I can have one bite and go back. And sometimes we can have one bite and go back, but eventually it gets to us because we're not like normal people. We cannot eat the food that makes us crave more. And so I, um, I got back, I went through the steps. I really worked hard on step two and finding something that I could believe in. I grew up Catholic. I had a difficult time in the Catholic church and I had a lot of judgment and I left the Catholic church with a lot of anger and resentment and I hated God. So finding God and doing the step two was like, you got to be kidding me. In my first big book, I crossed the word God out on every single page. That's how mad I was at God. That's how much I didn't believe in God. That's how much spiritual doubt I had. Now, call it what you will. I don't always call it God. I call it higher power. I call 15 it minutes. Thank you. I call it um, intuition. Um, so... I can, and now lately, I've never been really a big nature person, but I'm finding 
higher power in nature. And so it keeps evolving and I keep learning more about this energy that is my higher power. So if you're new, don't worry about what it is. It doesn't matter. That's just a story. It's just a name. It doesn't matter what the power is. It's about finding something within myself that I'm connected to that is going to put me on the path of happiness, joy, and freedom, freedom from my addictions and freedom from my story, freedom from my attachments. And so finding that and finding the confidence in that, that I can actually surrender my self-reliance and rely on it. And um, I did a talk a um, long time ago. I don't know when. It was called Compliance Versus Surrender. And um, it's on a vision for you. And sometimes I go back and listen to that because I truly believe I didn't do that talk. I believe that talk was done through me. And I go back and listen to it when I'm feeling like I'm complying to somebody else's program, like we all have a unique path to this higher power. We don't have to do what our sponsor did. We don't have to do what, what anybody else did. When anybody says they did to find God, we don't have to use the same word. And so people are always asking me, you know, Marie, you're, you're so connected to higher power. And I see this in you. How can I do that? Tell me the Tell me the checklist. Tell me the, the steps to get there. Well, we've got the 12 steps and that's how I got there. Now, I still do a lot more than is in the big book. And I still pursue other spiritual paths to feed me. But my path to higher power is very different than yours. And so many people want the checklist. How do I get there? But that is compliance. If I, you know, cause then I, then my story becomes, if I just comply and do what you did. Okay. You want me to make three calls? I'll make three calls. You want me to um, meditate for 20 minutes? I'm going to meditate for 20 minutes. You want me to journal? You want me to answer all these questions? These OA questions? I'll answer all these questions. These activities help. I'm not disparaging them at all. I did them all. But if I do it with this attitude of, I'm going to get this if I do that, then that's compliance versus surrender, which is, I am here and open to this spiritual guidance. Tell me what it is you want me to do. And so when I get up in the morning and believe me, for, for eight years, I had to get up and do them all. So I did do them because it does help remind me. It helps me to explore. But I learned that I have to explore all this with the right motivation. The motivation isn't getting to some end thing. You know, my motivation now, today, the only motivation I have is to stay connected to this power and to surrender every activity of my day and my life to this power. And, and okay, here I am eight years in OA and 27 years in program, and I still have to do it every day. I don't arrive at a destination. I arrive at the end of the day and I get up and I do it again. So finally today, my relationship with higher power has become the most important thing that I do and all else flows from it. And, and, but I am going to give you some steps, some steps that I did because people want to know what, what things can I try? What things can I do? And so one moment. 
Today, I, I stop and I, I just sit quietly. I don't try to do a meditation in some way that's prescribed. I've been to every meditation class there is because I wanted to become the OA poster child for motor meditation too. I wanted to be the best. I needed that validation. I needed that attention. And so I wanted to be able to teach everybody how to motivate, how to meditate the right way. Today, I just sit quietly. Sometimes I close my eyes. Sometimes I don't close my eyes. I just invite the power in and just say, you know, I just want to start my day in the right frame of mind. And that right frame of mind has nothing to do with my thinking. It has nothing to do with my plan. It has nothing to do with my story. It just has to do with connecting with this power. And I will sit for sometimes five minutes, sometimes 20 minutes. I don't have any rules when it ends, it ends. And then I'm okay with that. And that's what surrender is to me. And sometimes I journal and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I've got so much crap and fear in my head when I wake up in the morning that I have to go dump it all on paper before I can even connect. And so I just try to pay attention. What's going on in my head? Because it's my head that gets me in trouble. It's me being in charge that gets me in trouble. It's my thinking that gets me in trouble. Oh, and I wanted to, let's see, how's my time doing? Okay, before we run out of too much time, I want to show you something that, uh, a thing that I do. Um, <coughs> but first, I, I just want to emphasize the daily practice piece of this. It doesn't matter what I do. It's that I do it every day. I can't be a singer if I don't sing every day because my voice muscle will not perform, right? I can't be a bodybuilder if I don't build my body every day because then my body won't build. It's no different. I can't be recovered if I don't do it every day. If I don't focus on changing my mind, my ego is so strong. My belief is so strong. I am so powerful. Why? Because I have been exercising that muscle, my ego and thinking for 62 years. I've been in charge. And so how do I exercise this muscle of connection to this higher power so that I can trust and rely on it more than I do my ego. And every day it's a struggle. Every day I go through times during the day when I am not surrendered and God is not in charge. Trust me, ask my husband. He sees it a lot. And so it's, it's something that I have to practice every day and also understand that I am a human being who is imperfect having a perfect spiritual experience because every lesson that I get, everything that I see about what I'm not doing is a spiritual lesson. And I take that in and say, okay, I need to forgive myself because I was just really a crappy person to my husband or a crappy person to my kids or whatever. We clean it up. We got steps for that, right? But I'm still going to do it. And hopefully I'm going to do it less. I, I, I do it way less than I did it when I was super self-righteous and totally in charge and, and perfectionistic. But it still comes up. I hear people call me and say that they, um, they don't know how to stay there. And we can't stay there. We are not the power. 
We are connected to the power, but we're here having a human experience and our lives are going to be difficult and stuff is going to come up and we're either going to turn to the power, or we're going to turn to food or we're going to turn to the power or we're going to turn to bad behavior, character defects, a lack of emotional sobriety, but it's going to happen. How we manage it in ourselves with surrender is the key to recovery, but it's one day at a time. That's it. So I wanted to show you this. Um, how much time do I have left? <laughs> um, you have seven minutes. Awesome. Thank you. I hope you can see this. So this, let me put this down a little. This is my little chart that I, that I created. And what this is, this is the fear timeline. And this is the love timeline. And dead center here is the present moment or higher power. Here on the fear timeline, this is future. When I'm in future, when I'm thinking about the future, I'm in worry, I'm in the whole, I'm not enough, I don't have enough, I'm not doing enough. And that puts me in the future. I can't access God in the future because the future isn't here. The future is the illusion that I live in. The fear that I live in, the I'm not enough, no, nothing's enough, the perfectionism, all my character defects are out there in the future. And if I'm spinning my wheels in my head, listening to that noise, I can't be present to God. This part of the line is the past. So future, past, and the dot in the middle is the present. The past is my regrets, my resentments, my anger, my victim, because it's, it's my past repeating itself. It's my attachment to this thought that this is all I know. All I know is my past. And so I'm going to drag all my past experiences into the present moment of my life. And there's nowhere I can go. I can't change because I have this solid belief that it's not going to change because this is my experience. And that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. So until I change my story and say, I don't have to have regret and resentment and anger based on past experience, and I don't have to think about what's not enough and perfectionism and worry and what's going to happen in the future, if I can just stay in the present moment. And what I do, <laughs> I just get myself in my garden. And I, I sit in a chair in the morning, every morning, as soon as I get out of bed, I go sit in the chair and, and I just say, what's going on here? Oh, I hear some birds and I see the flowers gently blowing in the wind and the bunnies are running around my front yard. And, oh, there's, there's a bird on the feeder. Oh, and look, we've got this here. And, oh, and look at that. Oh, and I hear a sound. What is that? Oh, the crickets are still awake because I'm out of bed at 4.30 in the morning. So I do that and it brings me present if I'm in the present moment, then I can access God. And that's the only place. So dragging myself to the present moment is when I have the opportunity to connect with this power. And um, that's all I have to say about that. <clears throat> so that's my work today is just constantly looking at where am I? And I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about that contract. And am I going to get that contract? And I'm self-employed. So contracts are important to me. And, you know, I, 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 I need to, to get money for our family. Where's my next deal coming from? That's all future worry. And I go, oh, wait, 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 wait. 
everything's okay. Everything's exactly the way it's supposed to be. Let's get in the present moment. How can I get present? What do I see going on behind around me? What do I taste? What do I see? What do I get into my body and get my senses? And then I can get to the present moment and say, okay, God, I know you're here. And I don't know what it is you want of me in this moment, but I'm getting myself out ahead of myself. And I just like to surrender this to the present moment to you and give me my next right action in this moment. Tell me what I do now, not in the future. Take those thoughts away because I get trapped. I get trapped and I get blocked. I can't stop thinking about it once I get in that future thinking. So, so to wrap up, there's nothing more important in my recovery. Oh, somebody said, I can't understand. The, oh, the words that are under, <laughs> thank you for that. The words that are under present moment are higher power, God, consciousness, intuition, whatever your name is for the power, whatever makes sense to you, that power exists in the present moment. So that's what those words are. Um, so nothing is more important than the daily practice in my life. And nothing has to be perfect. I can get my, my ego and my head wrapped up in, I have to do recovery perfectly and I'm never going to. And so if I accept that and say, I'm just doing the best I can here and I'm doing, I'm doing a fine job. I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do. And I slip in and out of ego and I slip in and out of fear and I slip in and out of future and past. And the moments that I slip into the present moment are the moments of rejoicing. And no matter how recovered I am, I still have problems. I still have a marriage that needs work. I still have children that, that don't comply with mom's rules and regulations. And it doesn't have to be perfect because striving for perfection is about control. And control is about playing God. And Playing God is remaining in charge. It's in my ego. I'm still in charge. So if I'm striving for perfection, spiritual perfection, uh, worldly perfection, physical perfection, emotional perfection, I'm a woman without any character defects, that's craziness. We can't have any kind of perfection, but we can practice every day, one day at a time to stay present to the power that can run my life. And when I'm letting it run my life, guess what? It feels like perfection. It feels like everything is just fine. Everything's going fine. And I know it's a lot to take in because there are some people on this line who don't even have abstinence. So abstinence is the start. You start where you are. And one day at a time, you take a tiny step forward in working on that relationship with whatever that power is. Call it what you will. Don't get stuck in some past belief as I did. This past belief that God let me down. So I'm just crossing him out of my book. So I don't have the same idea of God that I was fed in my religious upbringing. And that was the best thing I could do was shift and get out of it. So I think my time is probably up. And I just want to say I'm so grateful to be here and to be able to share my my story that is irrelevant to, to you. And if anybody wants to talk, 
I I love it. I'm on WhatsApp, Marie, Marie J, J. I think it's it might say Marie Jacobs in there. So you can WhatsApp me, um, whatever you want. I'm here for you. And um, thank you for blessing me with, with allowing me to do this. And well, I thank passed. you so Thank you so, so much, Marie. Give Marie the hands of um, some jazz. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.